Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 1987, four men find themselves reunited with childhood friends for the first time in ten years. They are drawn together by the mysterious death of a mentor they all cared for together as children. World of Darkness, The Ultimate Evil is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game that takes place in Bismarck, North Dakota and is inspired by the satanic panic of the 1980s. Remembrance is the first story arc that follows Alex, played by Adam B., Wayne, played by Adam C., Che, played by Andrew, and Michael, played by Slavic, as they discover the mysteries that surround them in their hometown. If you would like to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Uh, Adam, you want to tell us about your character and what he was like as a kid? Uh, sure thing. All right. So my character's name is Wayne Coleman. Um, he lives with uh, his family. They're pretty average middle class. Um, his dad is kind of like a conservative Christian type of guy, and he's just like a general troublemaker. He skips school a lot, uh, smokes marijuana. Um, he's been in trouble for vandalism. And uh, his father kind of sees his troublemaking behavior, uh, like long hair, rock music, as like a sign of maybe like evil is winning him over. So he signs him up for this uh, summer program here. Um, That's where he meets the other boys and where he meets Amanda. Oh, right. So uh, what was the impact that Amanda had uh, on his life? Well, his his parents, well, his dad especially, was like pretty harsh on him in a kind of belittled him a little bit, told him he probably told him he wouldn't amount to anything if he like uh, continued like with the behaviors that he had. Uh, Amanda was somebody who encouraged him to be creative. She kind of made him feel like uh, he had a uh, potential. She, she saw his potential. Exactly. Like it, what his dad basically be too strong up on the listening to kiss and black Sabbath and everything. And didn't exactly. see the good side of his son. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got so uh, when and we talked about this, and for people who haven't, they can see this, seen this, they can see it in the first uh, session. We talked about a scene where Amanda Porter, who is a summer count or is like the counselor for this group of boys. I mean, there's other groups, but like kind of the 12 to 14 year old boys and uh, potentially girls, depending on if there's any that join the game later on. She was confronted by three people like towards the end of, of that summer because she was eventually going to move. She eventually moved with her fiance to uh, Stanford where he was going to school and she ended up being murdered uh, like three months later uh, there pretty brutally. So there's a scene though where like the boys were helping her like stayed later would help her mainly because they enjoyed being around her for one reason or another. And uh, they kind of were 50 yards away on their bikes, getting ready to leave when they saw her at her car be confronted by three people. One was a blonde hair guy. I'm just going to quickly describe him again, who kind of had hair that went down to the back of his neck a little bit, kind of cut in the, in the, like the bull type fashion. That was all the fad in the mid seventies there. Another guy who had, who had very dark black hair, black handlebar mustache, kind of bigger. We actually uh, met that character later down the road. And his name was Jay. Uh, Jay Bishop, a female who had like kind of darker brunette hair and brown eyes. And there it was getting pretty heated with the conversation with Amanda. Uh, you could tell she was trying to keep her calm. She wasn't like uh, reciprocating the, 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 I guess, the aggressiveness that she was receiving. But one of the guys saw these group of boys 
that were just kind of sitting there watching on their bikes and realized that, okay, there's an audience. It's time to back away. So how did that make you, your character feel at that time as a kid when he, when he witnessed that? Uh, definitely just scared shitless, probably just frozen in his tracks. Um, definitely wasn't like a, a tough kid by any means. So, you know, he was just totally scared. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe he probably had, uh, I, I wouldn't know you would be the one to size, but like some passive fist qualities due to like the Christian upbringing he had or something to that extent, you know, I'm absolutely. But, uh, all right. Gotcha. So when she unfortunately died, what, what kind of impact did that have on, on, uh, Wayne's life? Uh, he was pretty, pretty gutted over it. He, that was like the one person who really believed in him. And, uh, you know, she was taken in such a brutal way, you know, something that he would have never even imagined. And that was, you know, the one like encouraging voice he kind of had in his life. So, you know, when she, when she was taken, that was, a uh, you know, set off a, a, gut, a gut punch. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. So what happened with Wayne after like kind of boy stopped hanging out? Cause again, I'll mention again how like it was, you know, how, as far as the characters can remember, they just, you know, it is what is happened after boys, after the funeral, they went their own ways. Uh, so what happened with Wayne? But anyways, after all that happened up until 1987. Um, so he, you know, he attends high school after the uh, summer program. Um, around his junior year, he begins working at a uh, local gas station. Um, he's like still kind of carrying on his troublemaking behavior. And it's like still causing damage between his himself and his dad. Uh, so around 1982, when Wayne is 19, uh, his father becomes very ill. So Wayne tries to make amends. Um, he tries to pretty much repair this like damaged relationship he had with his dad. But uh, whether because of just like stubbornness or because of illness, uh, his dad ultimately never reconciles with him. So when his dad passes away, Wayne carries this like heavy guilt for letting his, his father down. So, and then let's see, the next year when Wayne is 20, um, his brother actually commits suicide. And, uh, so that is just like another just, just intense blow to Wayne's life. It's just like the, the past like few years have just been so full of, uh, loss and, um, you know, people around him just, just dying. And you, and you, you described it really well when we were talking via email doing the background about how basically, cause at first I misinterpreted what you're trying to convey when you said that like the, it's been a haze and I was thinking, Oh, you mean like alcohol and drugs? And, and you're like, no, it's pretty much just like, like a depressive, you know, haze, a loss where it's just like, I take it like a sense of monotony. I can totally picture like going to work at that gas station, getting off work. You know what I mean? Just it being like this, 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 it's it's yeah. kind of, it's like his life has kind of been put on hold by like all this crazy stuff that's happened in the you know past few years. Now, did uh, we can explore this in in the future sessions or whatever? Have you nailed down like exactly why your your brother his, his Wayne's brother took his life, or is that something you'd want? We could always figure out later. It's not if you don't have the um, answer now, don't worry about it. It's something I definitely want to figure out later. Okay, tracking. We could do that. That that sounds like. Definitely a lot of doors that can be open for character development. Next is you, Andrew. Tell us uh, about your character like, and about when he was a boy uh, up until he met Amanda. So uh, my character, Chayton, uh, he, uh, he had an abusive family. His uh, father was pretty uh, physical. And uh, this kind of thing made him act out a lot. 
and he would break into like schools and public buildings and just vandalize tag things. And, uh, he, he would have been enrolled by his mom, you know, trying to get him, uh, out of the home, you know, cause she may not have, uh, been, she might not have been able to, you really do anything about it at the time, but she could at least get him out of the situation. That's how he probably would have ended up with everyone else. And you mentioned that he was, he's a native American character too, right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh he, of Lakota, um, right? Yeah. He, his, um, his mom would be, uh, Lakota and his dad was a uh, white man. So he was mixed blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, uh, he didn't really know a whole lot about his background until after everything else. Gotcha. So growing so up, he what, didn't know a whole lot about it. Yeah. So he was kind of, I understand. And really, and, and for the players and for people watching, like North Dakota is a weird dynamic. I mentioned it in the intro, like, uh, well, not, not now, not like modern times, but especially in the like 60s, 70s and 80s. Uh, it was like, you're either white or you're like Native American. And those were like the two options, but it was even, more embedded like the different i guess backgrounds that you had as like a, a caucasian so like you you know like like one thing like germans didn't get along with norwegians you know what i mean and and it sounds really kind of goofy when we you know modern day when we talk about that you know but it was really like i remember i had a fifth grade teacher because i lived there for like three or four years as a kid who had a calendar that had just jokes every day about norwegians it was like you take one off and you read to the class and it was like you're like holy cow like you know and and like where where I'm of German and Italian uh, background and both my parents are from Bismarck and like, yeah, you were Italian from, it was just even crazier. You know what I mean? And, and then my mom married a German guy, which was like sacrilege to my grandparents. It took them like five years to get used to the fact, you know? So this is how they culturally thought. So to be a kid of, of, of mixed race back then, especially, you know what I mean? It's a really would have tough, been between uh, two different worlds. It totally, a hundred percent. That's the best way to describe it, right there. So, what kind of impact did Amanda have on Che and um and 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 when he was in this camp? Well, you know, she was the first person to really be a positive role model and show him that people can like actually care about you. You know, his his uh his opinion of his mother is she didn't care about him. You know, and as father, he actually beat him. So she was the very first person to show some sort of compassion. So he really looked up to her and cared. Like an adult figure too, though, right? Like a yeah. responsible adult figure, I would take yes. it, right? Yeah. She was like a like a like a pillar for him, you know. Yeah, I like that pillar of strength. That's good stuff. So that day, and we talked about the scene already, where the three people confronted her, and you guys were witness. How did that make him feel at that time, as a child witnessing that? Well, you know, he saw a lot of aggression at home, so he kind of would have gone into that like enclosed, um, like just shut down, you know, like oh, you know things are happening he just would have just locked it locked all his emotions inside and just blocked blocked it out you know he wouldn't have uh known what to do or how to react or anything he just kind of would have just gone into himself yeah like almost like a introverted flight flight or fight yeah kind of yeah. like a obviously a flight you know like defense. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that, that i could get hit here could, but better shut down yeah. yeah i definitely understand that yeah what impact did her death have on uh him and what was his life after the death of her until 1987 that would have really like broke him down it would have uh it would have caused a lot of pain and he he kind of just opened up to like a school counselor eventually about what was going on and how he was feeling and like his his uh his home situation and you know then that probably would have put him they they would have reported that to the authorities they're not allowed to just keep that stuff secret you know and so yep. he eventually would have ended up after that with his grandparents, 
uh, on his mother's side being, and that's when he would have first learned about his background and uh, his heritage as a Lakota Sioux. He he stayed with his grandparents on the St- Standing Rock Reservation, um, mm-hmm. uh, that was like fifty miles south of Bismarck area. Uh, yeah, so once he once he was with his grandparents, and I really think, and honestly, I kind of like that that aspect of I, I love all the characters in here, and I like that aspect of Che and the fact that he at least out of all that, you know, all the lack of a better term, fucked up shit that happened. You know what I mean? Like he was able to somehow get in touch a little with his culture, you know, for a little bit. What happened yeah. after he moved with his grandparents there up until like 1987? Well, um, he picked up uh, a lot of his grandpa- uh, grandfather's hobbies, uh, like uh, hunting and fishing and things like that. He learned a lot about the outdoors and would have spent a lot of time outside and came to really enjoy uh, being, you know, just outside all the time. And uh, after... Um, Sometime around like high school, he would have dropped out, um, maybe in his senior year and gone to work during the, uh, big oil boom that was happening at the time to, to try and earn some money because he, he saw it as an opportunity for him to just kind of make a lot of cash and go and just live out by himself away from people, not have to deal with the world's problems. Especially during that oil boom from the little I've heard about it from like relatives and of course, the natural gas boom that's going on now, a lot of people have that mentality when they go into there. Like, I'm going to go here, I'm going to work hard for two, three, four years, save all this money, and then just cash out and, you know, I'll live the rest of my life in peace. Unfortunately, that doesn't often, you know what I mean? Nothing goes as planned most of the time for us. And, and it didn't but, for him yeah. either. It, it wouldn't have gone. So what, what's that either. that didn't work out? What what ended up happening with him there? His um, His grandmother got sick. You know, and uh, she needed uh, treatments for uh, leukemia. So he uh, he would have spent all his money on helping her. And so now he's kind of back where he ended up, like right after high school. He he doesn't have a degree. He spent all the money that he earned and just kind of struggles to find work. Gotcha. Yeah. Now he works. Actually, uh, we agreed upon he works at the Heritage Center at night doing kind yeah. of janitorial work. Uh, for those of you who don't know, so the Bismarck's the state capital of North Dakota. Uh, the center of it, like in the northern part of town, is almost like a grounds of sort where, like, they have they have like the state capital building, which stupid fact, but it's the tallest capital building in the United States. It's like more like a skyscraper than like what you would actually think of like a Washington D.C. architecture type. And it has a place called the Heritage Center, which is like a it's a museum. It's pretty much a museum. One cool thing about the museum, especially during the eighties, is they really embraced the like the Native American history aspect of there. And then they also had a state library that that was there too. So it's kinda of like three buildings that kind of serve a purpose of governing and education. You know, the two buildings obviously deal with education. And then there's like this huge like green grass, like, like, like just like almost like a field of green grass that's around it. So you can constantly see people like flying kites and, and playing football or whatever, you know, just kind of in the area. And actually where Amanda Porter lives is right by there, which is, which is like right, like one of the first streets that are right on the outside of that area. So you'd probably believe in at times, and we'll talk about that when we officially, you know what I mean, introduce him into the game, you know, you'll have that nagging little, maybe a little memory in the back of your head, or maybe that's why you feel comfortable there. Who knows? You know, we can, yeah. we can, Definitely. Verge into that. So, Mr. Michael Gray, so you're asleep at the moment and you have this dream uh, that's kind of like an actual, like a dream of, uh, it's a good dream. It's kind of a warm dream where you're actually sitting 
uh, almost like you think it's on a picnic blanket and, but you're in the middle of like a field that you see when you drive between towns and, and, and North Dakota, where there's like a lot of wheat fields or just like, you know what I mean? Like, so like when you think of planes, that's what, you know, that's what it usually is. And you're, and you're sitting on this blanket and you're sitting across from, from Amanda and, and she's, as you last remember, you know, seeing her and kind of in the dream, you're laughing and she's laughing. You don't quite even know what you're talking about. And you just know there's a moment where she goes and she gently like kind of just like strokes the side of your face with her hand. And then you wake up and you wake up because you hear your phone ringing, but also when your phone's ringing and you're trying to, this is on a Sunday, by the way, and you're trying to like figure out what's going on around you. Uh, you've got the sun coming through your blinds and it's almost like right on your face, like giving a kind of a warmth feeling that you almost had in that dream. So, uh, all right, it seems on you. The phone's ringing. Well, I guess I'll pick it up. Hello, Michael. All right. How's it going? Pretty well, actually. Pretty well. Uh, I can't can't seem to get a hold of uh, Alex. I I don't know what's going on. And his mom answered, and she's really hard to understand through her thick accent, but uh, she seems a little worried. But So I thought of it. I originally wanted to call both you guys and uh, see if you could uh, maybe have time to look into something for me Uh, on top of what you guys already are doing. His his mom is saying something like she th- like alcohol and 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 she's not sure and should I go? I I, I really I gathered he was tying one off to be honest with you so I don't know I don't know what's going on with that but she said she'll leave a message she didn't seem stressed or you know like she was worried but she just seemed I guess more annoyed I guess is the term I should use sorry about that I didn't mean to get you all worked up there apologize for that so. I got two more names, uh, and I'm not sure these are kids that were actually part of the group that you were at at that summer camp, but I thought that uh, maybe you could look into them and, and find out for me uh, if they are and what you can – and maybe if they're willing to be helped, maybe see if they can be put on retainer too. I'm willing to give them the same rates that I give you. If they agree, let me know, and I can shoot over a Western Union to you so you can have some cash for that. But I was wondering if you could look into that for me on top of what you're already doing, and I know I'm kind of piling this stuff on top of you, but – yeah, definitely. Some help would be appreciated. Yeah, that's why I figured. And especially, uh, I'm not going to lie, between us, you kind of seem more the responsible between the responsible type between the two of you, you know? <laughs> and you just seem chuckle a little bit. He's like, all right, so uh, I got two names for you here. Okay, and he's like, uh, one. Yeah, and you hear him flipping through a notebook. I got uh, one, his name is Wayne Coleman, I believe. And he, yeah. he supposedly works out of. Does that name sound Sounds familiar to you? Familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he works at a shell station that that's over there on like the south side of town, kind of, uh, and you know the south side of town. They're kind of the seedier side a little bit, as seedy as I guess Bismarck can get, you know. Uh, and then uh, and another name is a guy named Chayton. Chayton, I guess Thompson. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think so. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, something like I think. It was, he was kind of a hard one to track down because the last work records we had was like from a few years ago of him working for one of those oil companies. But I think I was able to like, and don't ask me how, but find out that he might be working at the Heritage Center. Does that play? I don't know what that place is. I don't, I don't know what it is. But And you know out of character, you know that the Heritage Center is the museum that's right there by the Capitol. That's just what they call the museum. Okay, I'll check it out. Definitely. I'll tell yeah, you yeah, yeah. Just let me know what to offer. Yeah, so have you have you guys came up with anything yet? Like any of the the, the shit that I've had, you know, did anything yeah. pan out or what? I was actually skeptical at first, but we visited Jay Bishop. You know, uh, who who did he end up being? It was this southern hick 
didn't seem very bright, but he had some useful info about uh, the... Uh, he was one of the people that confronted uh, Amanda, you know. Uh, get, get the fuck out of here. He, he really yeah. ended up being one of them? Yeah. And he told us the name of the entire group, except it, it'll be pretty hard to track him down. Oh, man. Fuck. Holy shit. Um, really? I can't believe that fucking even added up like that. I'm not going to lie. I just thought that would be kind of a fucking dead end there. Do you have any way to find out where, like, these other names you got, like, where they live and who they are or whatnot? Johnny and Dora are supposed to be married and got out of state. And uh, apparently these guys had some strange Satanist parties or whatever in this house they rented. No, uh, you hear him, like, stutter a little bit, and he's, like, you're flipping through his notebook again and, like, the click of a pen. He's like, so, wait, 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 you're telling me that, so... Holy shit. That's what I was told by this this guy. Okay, he wasn't very bright, so... All right, yeah, look look into that shit. This is big stuff, man. I I don't, you know, I kind of told you about what I'm writing this book about and everything, man. This isn't, like, something to overlook here, okay? Like, this is very real shit, man. I'm telling you. I think this has ties to, like, two different states at least, okay? So take it seriously and be careful, all right? Yeah, I will. I will. Don't worry. All right. And if this is a link, like I thought would be get with these kids because you don't know what these kids may have remembered that you don't remember or whatever okay i know you're going to i'm sorry i'm just a little excited here it's the new yorker in me but it's like i'm this is really starting to get legs man i'm out here in california finding some shit that's gonna blow your fucking mind if it turns out okay okay good luck all right thank you and he hangs up the phone you keep the cash coming what's your plan of action slavic or uh, uh michael after you found this out well i think it's Time to visit my two old pals. I'll let you go ahead and, and start thinking about what your plan is. Are you going to like go there now, or are you going to go there later, or like what, when do you plan to go there to try to talk to them? Uh, I think I do it as soon as possible, probably. Okay, so uh, let me cut to. I believe I know that Andrew. We talked about Che works night shift there as a janitorial crew at the Heritage Center. Would you say that your character worked a night or day shift, Adam? Um, I would say day shift, probably. Day shift? Okay, cool. Let's go ahead, and I will cut to Adam first, okay? And uh, are, you, are you saying, uh, Michael, that you're going to go ahead and, and check out the 76 station, or the Shell I'll, station? I'll open my yellow pages and <laughs> find out if they have a telephone. Yeah, there, there actually is a telephone. So let me cut to – I'm going to cut to uh, Adam real quick again, okay? And then we'll, we'll, we'll take a scene with him. So, Adam, you uh, wake up. For those of you who don't know, Adam stays in the trailer that's on the south side of Bismarck there. That's kind of uh, in a trailer park. Tell, how are your mornings? Like when you wake up, what's his routine that you can think of? Or, or what, what, how does he usually handle himself before he heads off to work? Uh, well, he probably, like, rolls out of bed. Uh, the place is a total mess. It's got like a mm. pyramided beer cans and some dirty plates and some trash he probably should have taken out last week. And uh, <laughs> he just kind of like rolls out of the bed and um, maybe like washes his face in the sink or something and tries to get himself ready. Not somebody who takes too much uh, pride in his appearance, I guess. Talking about personal appearance and everything, we, did, we didn't even really discuss what he looks like as an adult. So so what does he look like as an adult for the most part? Uh, yeah. All right. Um I would say he's kind of like a like a flannel and work boots kind of guy. Uh, like he he has long hair still. Uh, probably keeps it back in like a ponytail just for like convenience. Uh, we'll say it's like brown. 
Any facial hair, anything like that, or clean shaven, or? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking maybe like an '80s mustache, but yeah, we'll like say a handlebar? Yes, like a yeah, 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 like yeah, <laughs> like a handlebar mustache or like a normal one, because no character has Just a mustache. Just like a normal yet. one. Okay, that's cool. Because I was like, who's gonna have the first '80s stash? And it was like, like, no like the kind my dad had in the '80s. It's just kind of like this, you know. Yeah, my dad had that too. That never like when they did shave it, you're like, who's this stranger? You know what I mean? Like, I, I only remember my dad like shaving his mustache like twice, you know. But it's like, yeah, who's this stranger? Get out of my house, man! So, all right, cool stuff. Uh, as you're getting out of your trailer, what 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 does he drive? By the way, like, what kind of vehicle does he drive? Just like a total piece of shit. Like, never knows if it's gonna actually start. He's got his fingers crossed every time he uh, every time he turns the ignition because. You know, it's like if it's especially if it's like cold out, the battery's probably going to be dead, or you know, some problem. It's, it's a pain in the ass in the winter. Yeah, yeah, it's a total fucking yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can feel you there. All right, so as you get out, uh, mind you, again to reminder, everyone's like early September, so it's not quite snow. It might snow like in a month, a month and a half, but it's starting to get fall. It's like 50, 60 degree weather. As you're stepping out of your trailer, you know, and, and, and this trailer is almost like a like a shell that, that surrounds you, you are constantly reminds you like the misery you're in. I mean, just even like every footstep, every creak, I mean, even like just like like it feels like almost like turning off the faucet and turning on the faucet like shakes the whole thing and like reverberates throughout it. Uh, you know, it's almost like you enjoy going to work because it's like breaking yourself out of the shell of misery that that you're in in there. So when you step out and you step on like this sagging front top step of the three steps that kind of have like this astroturf like staple to it to make it look fancier than than your average normal sagging wooden step you, you step off and you step on the concrete and you look towards your 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 you know lack of a better term piece of shit car that's sitting there and you see uh your neighbor who you've usually if you do talk to anyone i would take it you're not too sociable nowadays you usually talk to this guy he's like in his mid-50s he's probably 300 plus pounds and he seems to, like always be sitting from like the moment he wakes up and i'd say it's about like nine in the morning right now to like midnight he's sitting there just drinking like beer after beer after beer never seems to be intoxicated but just just seems to like permanently be seated there his name is bruce he collects a uh, disability check from the state all the time you know that his wife passed away like five years earlier from like a heart attack or you know she was pretty obese herself you know he just kind of is always seems to be a i guess like a a figure that you see every morning when walking out and he just kind of like nods to you and he, he has like a, like a, a truck driver's cap on. He just kind of like, you know, just lifts the brim up a little bit as you're getting into your car. And he's like, morning. How's you doing sunshine? How's it going, Bruce? Good, good. Going to fucking make the man more money. Aren't you? Oh, you bet. You, you try that sign up for that social security disability shit. Like I told you about, uh, I'll look into it. All right, all right. You want one for the road? And he kind of was like uh, packing a case of beer that he has next to his chair there. Uh, I'll try to politely refuse. <laughs> no, thank <All> right. you. <laughs> a little all early right. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get older, you'll realize the importance of it. It makes everything nice and easier to deal with, man. Nice and easier to deal with. And he just sits there and he takes another sip of his Budweiser that's in the can there. So uh, as you get in your car, you're driving to work. Is this the same, like, you know, uh, you know, like you said, and I really loved it how you summed up your characters. It's like everything, and not in a, because it's the world of darkness, but just everything's just gray and monotone to you when you're going to work. You know, the same right route to work. You 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 get to work. You come up to the Shell station. Uh, you have this pimply faced kid 
who's like 16, 17, reminds you of you when you first started working there, who was working nights. He's eager to let you go. He's all full of spunk and dreams, and you just know that eventually he's probably just going to be in your shoes in the future. And you, you can't help but slightly probably grade on you a little bit that this guy, you know, is so full of optimism. As you get everything, you know, handled over, you start making your, you know, you're just at the point where you're starting to make the fresh pots of coffee in there. Uh, you hear the phone ring, and that's actually uh, you, Slavic, calling him. So go ahead. Scene's on you guys. Okay, I'll uh, pick up the phone. Uh, Shell, I don't know what street it is, but, uh, so, you know, whatever street, Shell Station, uh, Wayne speaking. Wayne, uh, are you Wayne Coleman by any chance? Yeah, I'm him. Hey, this is Michael Gray. Remember me? From that youth, uh, that camp for troubled youth. And as you're sitting there on the phone, and I just want to interject real quick, and you hear that name and you hear this, it's just kind of like a slap across your face. It's almost like the gray monotone of the, everything around you just kind of brightens a little bit, like the orange coffee uh, handle for the decaf that you're, like, sitting there about to make goes from being, like, a disgusting, you know, like a, a rotten orange orange to, like, bright and vibrant orange. And you're just kind of, like... Like a sense of, of like euph- euphoria is the word I think of. Like, you know, just like almost like you take a deep breath and you're exhaling that feeling that comes out just from hearing that little thing. But go ahead. It seems on you guys. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. I haven't thought of you in, in a really long time. Uh, what can I help you with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, this might seem a little bit weird. So uh, it it'd probably be better to explain in person. I just want to make sure you're... Uh, actually, uh, working uh, working there, but I got a call from this big shot uh, newspaper reporter T- uh, Terry Murphy from New York, and uh, we're actually he has us looking into the death uh, into the death of Amanda because he thinks it's somehow connected to the Son of Sam murders. And that's another, like, wham, you know what I mean? It's like, you're, it's almost like, you're not, not saying it happens a lot to me, but when you get smacked by a female and she just doesn't do it once, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. double whammy. I know, it's it almost like, wah, wah. I know it sounds weird, but he's paying really well. He pays up front. And, you know, uh, it's just, just something you can do. It's not, uh, it's not like you have to leave your job or anything, just something uh, to do on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you should come down here. So like I think when I think when Wayne like hears uh, Amanda be mentioned, he just kind of has like this total like sense of shock. It's just like, but he just desperately like would want to be involved in something that is just not this. So he's not even going to question it. Yeah, because it's like this is probably the most the, the oddest phone call you ever received in your life. You know, other than probably like your father or brother's death. Well, probably even odder because it's so out of left field. Like, hey, dead chick money, dead chick money. You know what I mean? Like it's like. Yeah, so yeah, definitely something you're in shock and you'd probably want to talk in person. Definitely. I can I can uh I can see that. So all right, scenes on you guys again. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh so when's the end of your shift? Go grab a beer and I'll tell you all about it. Uh sorry, uh Chris, what what time is it right now? Like is it uh It's like nine thirty ten. Yeah. I would say you'd probably get off like at three you know, three, four or something like that, you know? Okay, yeah. So I'll yeah. So yeah, I get up at, at about four o'clock. I can I can meet you wherever. Okay. I'll probably mention Alex's bar. The main bar, yeah. So Yeah, yeah I've heard of it. I can, I can go there. See you around eight. Alright, it's a plan. Wayne has like a sense of excitement about uh 
trying to get to the bottom of this. So definitely something so he's, he's making, to think about for the rest of his shift, you know? Like, yeah, he's like making coffee full of energy, and he thinks like an hour's gone by, and he looks, it's only been like two minutes. He's like, Shit, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like one of those days. All right, Mr. Michael, you got one down uh, setting up at a meeting. What's your next plan of action? Well, uh, next plan of action, I'll call into the Heritage Museum. All right, uh, you call the Heritage Museum, and uh, you get a reception like, uh, Bismarck Heritage Center, uh, this is Samantha. How may I direct your call? Uh, hey, Samantha, I'm looking for uh, if an old friend of mine works at the museum. Uh, I think he was working as a janitor. Uh, his name's Chayden. Yeah, may, may I ask I, who this is on the on the line, please? Oh yeah, this is uh, Michael Gray. Okay, uh, let me see. Police officer here in Bismarck. Oh, you're with the Bismarck PD. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look here real quick. And you see her like flipping, you know, no keyboard clacking, but <laughs> like Rolodex flipping. And you said he was with the janitorial staff. You said. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I have him here. Now we're not allowed to give out numbers, but he, his shift starts like around like six. Would that would that be okay? I mean, that's all I can really give you there. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thank you. All right. Thank you. She she hangs up on you. Shayla, tell me about how's your normal day? Seeing that you work at night and everything like that. Like, do you wake up later in the day, or do you wake up earlier? Tell us a little bit about what where he lives and what's going on right now. Well, um, as far as where he lives, he probably has like a like a dingy apartment or, or like a trailer or something, uh, not like right in the middle of everything. So he has a little bit of a drive to get to, uh, the heritage center. Um, he, uh, he'd, he'd be a later, uh, he'd get up like in the afternoon probably. So if he's starting okay. at six, I'd say he's probably going to get up like three, four in the afternoon, trying to sleep as much as he can during the day. All right. Yeah. So, uh, what, when he gets up, he, he pretty much just eats a meal and heads to work kind of thing. And what, what, what does yeah. he drive? Uh, yeah. He's, um, he's actually inherited like his dad's like build. So he's actually kind of tall and stocky. Um, but, um, you know, dark hair, dark eyed, um, brown skin, Native American man, um, uh, has a really imposing kind of figure. Um, because he's he he's takes care of himself. He he loves the outdoors. He's outside all the time. He does a lot of hard labor. So he's actually a very well built person. Um, but he's uh, he's kind of always uh, dressed like in a in a, like dirty jeans, dirty boots. You know, he drives a, a crappy '80s Jeep. You know, uh, nothing nothing extravagant. Just gets him wherever he needs to go, and also can haul some stuff if he needs to. You know. Yeah, yeah, like everything, like wardrobe to vehicle, just is something that serves a purpose. It's right. not practical. anything more than like practical. Exactly, very good. So, is is like, does he have a shorter hair, long hair, like facial feature or facial hair, anything to that extent? Um, he probably has short hair because uh, working uh, and on an oil rig, he would have had to keep it cut short. It could be a hazard, so he keeps it short out yeah. of habit now. Okay, I like that definitely. No mustache, unfortunately, I guess. But that, I would have given you a hundred XP. I mean, he's a native, native American. Yeah, man. I, I know, I know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't grow in that thick for him, definitely. Yeah. Well, at least we got one player that has a thick uh, '80s mustache. You know, so I thought about it. I thought about it. I did. You know, usually you drive. It's actually kind of a tranquil, uh, tranquil drive there because, like, the state is is really odd setup because it's not like. 
you know, I've lived in multiple states out of character. I've lived in multiple states, uh, being in when I was in the military and whatever, seeing some state capitals. And usually they're kind of like a, a hub of activity, I guess. You know what I mean? Like where's constantly people on the steps, just out of character, like the Denver uh, or uh, Colorado capital in Denver, like at night, there's like homeless people on the steps. It's really an odd thing where in North Dakota, it's almost like a, it's almost like a national, I don't want to say national park, but it's almost like a park ground more than anything else. You know what I mean? Like you have these three buildings and you just have like acres of grass around them. Not like it's in the middle of nowhere because there's like the city's built around that too. But it's, it's actually like when you start driving onto the Capitol grounds, you know, you're driving on a road and you see like grass field, green grass field, you know, that's well, well manicured, you know what I mean? And you can see like people just sitting there reading a book on a blanket or just like kids flying a kite, you know, or something to that extent. So it's almost like a, Always being like outdoors, but being in the middle of the city in a way, you know, before I continue on, how, what's his feelings of working in, in, in the heritage center with, with that has such a large emphasis on native American history. Does he enjoy being there? Is it something that kind of like brings him peace or is it just a job that gives him money to give him the lifestyle that he wants? Well, um, he'd probably have some mixed feelings about it. It's, uh, it, it reminds him a lot about, uh, his, his, his family, his grandparents and everything. And, uh, being his time living with them. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's really just something that he uses to, to live. You know, he's, he's just, you know, anxiously waiting for the day. Well, maybe, maybe the oil boom will pick back up. He can go out and make some money, you know, that kind of thing. He's just, he's, it's just motivation for him to just keep moving for now. Gotcha. Understand. So usually when you walk up to, uh, the, the entrance of the heritage center, by the way, all these buildings are made of like a, of a concrete colored, I guess, I don't want to say stucco, but they're like grayish, you know, buildings, you know, they're not like painted or, or anything to that extent have a very, uh, almost like a capital feeling in that sense, you know, where it's the same kind of stone color when you're walking towards there, it's starting to get, especially this time of year around five thirty six, it starts getting dusk, you know, darker. And you see uh, like a warming light that comes behind these glass sliding doors that actually were just installed like a few years ago that, you know, motion censored, you know, where you walk in and there's kind of like a front desk. Uh, it's a hallway that's probably like 20 feet and you go straight forward for about like 30 feet and there's the desk there. And then like there's like it splits two hallways that where the museum actually starts, you know, the kind of, you know, different paths that go around to different things. But usually... A site that you're used to is, is, uh, there's a librarian who works at the Capitol Library who kind of sits there and smokes his pipe when he's getting off work. And he usually, he says he's getting off work, but he'll usually hang around the library because he's like a 50 year old man. Uh, his name is Sydney. The years have put some pounds on him. Uh, he wears thick glasses. He's clean shaven and has like a gray comb over for his hair that really doesn't do the purpose of comb over supposed to do. He's not really hiding much because it's, you know, it's, it's like, he's, you know, he's not vain, you know what I mean? But he's just, it's an old habit that he's trying to, you know, he does there. He, uh, has, wears like a tweed jacket, has like the, the patches on there. You kind of get the sense because of, you, you know, just how you, your, your outlook in life that he does it to look more intellectual. But in the end, he's just a librarian, you know, who works at the state library, but he's a really nice guy. And this guy constantly is always trying to spark conversations with you when you go out to take like your 10 minute break or whatever about like trying to, you know, get your GED or, you know what I mean? Not relying so much on manual labor, but maybe, maybe starting to go down a path of education, you know, and like, and trying to educate yourself saying that it's not too late and, and anything to that effect. Those are your character. And maybe they're very like one-sided conversations with him or 
saying more things than you may be saying a couple word responses. I'm not sure, you know, we can figure that out, but he's sitting there smoking a pipe there. And he's trying to clean it out as he sees you walking up and he goes, Che, and he looks at you. He's like, another busy Thank day you. of work. huh? How's it going in your life, young man? Same old, same old. How about you? You know, I'm happy. Life is good. Weather's getting a little colder. And you see him kind of, he's putting tobacco and he's, you know, packing it in there. He lights it and he's like, oh, and he like sits back. And he's kind of over you know, he's over eccentric a little bit. Everything, you almost get to feel like he, he he's like playing a role in the movie, he thinks, you know. But so have you thought about going to get your GED yet? Or, or is this going to, when you're oh, my age, is this, well, I'm just saying, you keep talking about the oil boom is going to happen again. You keep talking about your easy out that's going to get you the life that you want. And I'm trying to tell you that if you just simply, and I'm not saying, and I know you're a hard worker, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying if you direct that work and channel it to this end, you could sit out there and write books or you could come and teach at, you know, University of Mary or something and then go back to your log cabin where you're left by yourself and do whatever you want to do instead of seeing this view every night. I mean, you're, how old are you? You're what, 23, 24, you told me? You should go be yeah. me- meeting ladies instead of coming to work every night here. Don't you want to go meet the ladies and go to like the main bar or whatever your, people your age do? <laughs> hey, believe it or not, I do have a life. Just because it doesn't oh, revolve well, around books. Or women. Or partying. Or anything that your people do. You know what I mean? Your age do. But I like your company. I mean, you can keep living that way. I love talking to you. You're a good conversation and everything. You're pretty witty. I hate to see you. I just don't want to see you fall in the trap that so many in this town fall into, Che. I appreciate your concern, um, but uh, I got to get back to work, man. I got to <laughs> go clock in. All right. Hey, well, you know how to find me if you want to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let's, let, I'll keep you to that, all right? I'm, I got some more stuff to put in, and I really don't want to go home anyways. It's kind of lonely there. So you find me if you need me, okay? All right, Cindy. So as you're walking in, and we're going to cut to Slavic, I take it, uh, Michael, you, you're, you went there, and you're kind of sitting there waiting for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how it is is basically I, t- I described the front desk, and there's kind of like couch, but you know where they take like three plastic chairs, they kind of mold them together, and they have like the armrest in the middle where people could sit there while they're waiting. There's like uh-huh. a, a set of three chairs there by the desk where people are waiting for someone or whatever. I don't know if you want to sit there, if you want to stand. There's kind of like a security guard too, who's just like sitting there reading a magazine, and he keeps reading a People magazine. He's looking at it, and he's looking at you, and then he's looking at it. And he looks at you. <laughs> and he looks at because people are kind of nosy yeah. in that area sometimes, you know. All right, and you see a figure come walking up to the. You see a figure come walking up, which is how uh, Andrew described Che. He sits there and talks to a figure who's sitting there smoking a pipe. You see, then the figure start walking towards the doors. His door open up. You see the guy with the pipe walks off. He looks like he might be heading towards either the Capitol or the library. Uh, and then you see this figure come walking in right now. Is he wearing like a janitorial suit? Would you say? I would say he probably is like an olive green janitorial yeah, suit. Like, like one right. of those jumpsuits. You can kind of, you see him coming up, uh, Michael, and you're kind of like almost like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience or any of you guys had this experience, but especially you Slavic yet where you like the last time you saw someone was like 10 years ago. Like you saw someone as a kid and it happens with family, I guess a lot, you know, you're like Johnny cousin here and then they move away and you see him like 10 years later and you're like, Oh, I can recognize you. But like, like you're just kind of taken aback how much they fundamentally have, you know, changed with whatever, you know, happens in 10 years, you know, uh, that's the kind yeah. of feeling you get. That's the kind of feeling you get right now when you see Che walking up for a second. Like, who the hell? And then, you're like, oh, wow. I could, you can recognize that it's him, definitely. So the scene's on you guys. Yeah, I'll probably 
wave at him and, hey, Jay. I'll look, I'll look kind of confused when I don't recognize immediately calling me my name. It's, it's me, Michael. Gray. Yeah. You know? Remember from way back? I'll uh, kind of stop and think and, oh, like a look of realization, you know? Like, wow. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing here, man? I've, no. I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, I'm. This is gonna sound really weird, but first, you know, uh, I just want to. How you doing? I'm. I'm. I'm all right. What? What's? What's this about? Okay, right. So you probably know I wouldn't drop by just you know just to meet a friend from my uh, from my childhood. I'm here because I got contacted by a. A, a news reporter from New York, some kind of big shot name, uh, by the name of Terry Murphy. Okay. Uh, he's looking into Amanda's murder. He thinks it might be some uh, in relation to the Son of Sam murder, some sort of Satanist cult thing. Um, what? I know this sounds really, really strange, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, really yeah. strange. Me and Alex were actually, you know, Alex Sokolov, were actually looking That's another blasphemy into pass. it. <laughs> because, you know, even if we didn't believe it, uh, his offer was too good to pass up. He pays $500 a month up front. For what? And for us investigating this whole mess. We actually, you know, about those people we met who were harassing Amanda? We actually... Uh, interviewed one of him, one of them. This is like a powerful scene in the fact that, like, you know, Michael has been reacquainted with this stuff, and like, this is just like yeah. one bombardment after yeah, you know, yeah, for, yeah, like, know. played it great. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? With the, like, like all these memories are starting to come back, definitely. Especially, I'm sure the three person thing. But go ahead. Yeah, Che would be kind of like thinking about the words like over before he says anything, so he's like talking about, uh, you know, that when when Amanda was murdered and those people that were confronted him. And he'd be like, wait, I do, I do remember that. I know this is probably, and I know it is a lot to take in. It really was when, you know, the, uh, the reporter met me and Alex and told us all about this and all about his investigation. But, you know, I just want to be upfront with you. And, you know, if you uh, wanted to know if you wanted to, you know, help out, you'd of course you... be paid. So... What does it uh, entail? What exactly are you asking? So, basically, we're, we're investigating murder. What happened, the people around it, who they were, what they were doing. That's, that's a lot to take in, Michael. Um, I know. How, how, about, how about this? I, I have to get to work, okay? How about we just talk about this afterwards, I, after my shift? Yeah, Can we do yeah, that? yeah, exactly. Good. Oh, when do you get off? Um, what time is it now? Six, six. So we can say maybe like midnight, 11 midnight. Does that sound good? Say this is like a part-time job, would you say? Or Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'll get off at uh, midnight. Cool. I can meet you somewhere. Yeah. I'm actually meeting Wayne Col Coleman at eight at the main bar. Maybe we'll be there, uh, still at midnight. So you can find us there. Yeah, they'll be open. Okay. I'll, I'll probably need a drink while I process all this yeah i know i need <laughs> you are right now uh, the scene is on you wayne you got off work 
I, I take it you're heading over. Uh, what are you going to do? Because you got a couple hours to kill before you have to go to the main bar. So I have a couple hours. Um, I guess I'll head back to the trailer for a little bit. Uh, he's probably, well, he is really just like uh, nervously excited, wants to figure out what's going on. He's excited to uh, reconnect with this person he hasn't thought about in so many years. I love that because like one character has a sense of dread, you know what I mean? Like two characters and actually yours is the reverse. It's almost like a, like a pep in your step walking on sunshine, you know what I mean? Moment. You yeah. Know? That's pretty awesome. So as you roll up to your, in your vehicle and, and your vehicle to the trailer, uh, you get out of the car and Bruce is still sitting there drinking. Uh, he has a little radio that's playing some country Western. And he sees you like, and he kind of, he gives you like a, a raised eyebrow look and he's like, well, you got a hot date or something there? And he kind of like motions to the, he always has a second chair laid out for you. Like when you get back and he kind of motions towards the chair. Uh, no, Bruce, it's not a hot date. I'm just uh, meeting an old friend. Damn. I haven't seen you this happy in a while. And he kind of like tosses you a beer. Yeah. I'm going to actually take it and uh, I'm going to drink it, drink it down pretty fast. Damn. You're, you're ready to party. That's good, man. I'm glad to see you like, like this. I'm fucking for a while there. Sometimes you have me worried to be honest with you, man. Holy shit. So tell me about this friend, man. Is it a chick? I bet it's a fucking chick, huh? Just an old friend from from camp when I was a kid. Uh, you know, somebody I haven't really? I haven't thought of in a really long time, actually. Damn. Why? Why? Did, that's cool. So I take it you were good friends and everything. Is that why you're sitting here all having ants in your pants and everything? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Well, that's good. I mean, shit, man. Don't go forget about me now. So yeah, I'm just gonna. Kind of like, uh, kind of, you know, like when you kind of just want to like cut the conversation with your neighbor, but they're kind of just like, <laughs> just like, you know, going yeah. on about stuff. He's going to go in and uh, maybe get out of his like mechanic shirt or whatever and, uh, you know, just put on his, his regular clothes. Probably just like, yeah, like flannel and jeans or whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe like a like a, a denim jacket or something like that. And uh, maybe he'll just like. Just hang back, watch TV or something. He's just like really excited. Yeah, as you're watching the TV, it's really hard for you to concentrate on what's even being said, you know? Like uh, just because your mind's wandering and you're so excited and you're sitting there and you're looking at your watch or whatever, the cheap clock you have, that brain noise pulls you out of the one escape you have from life. It just sits there and slides. It's not even digital. It's the old school kind, you know, just slides and you're sitting there like, yeah. God damn it. And you're looking at the TV and this doesn't make it some cheesy 80s sitcom on there, you know, and it's a Sunday night and you're just like, fuck, 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 fuck. And finally you look and you're just like, fuck it. It's a half hour early. I don't give a shit. I'm going to go. You go drive is just like, of course, every light seems to be taking longer than it normally does. And you're sitting there fucking hitting the damn stereo, listening, I'm sure, to some <laughs> some Sabbath or Zeppelin or some Motley Crue maybe. Oh, of for course. Hey, it's the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's the 80s. You uh, finally drive up to the main bar, which is on Main Street. You guys know it if you – it's like kind of the one bar where like the kind of blue-collar types stay out. Not really criminal types, but kind of the rougher crowd. I don't know, not even rougher, but just blue-collar folks hang out at. Uh, you step inside there. You push the doors open, and right away you smell the cigarette smoke and everything like that. It's not too crowded on a Sunday night, but let's say there's about like eight to ten people in there, you know. You go in there. Are you already, uh, are you already there, Michael? Yeah, I think uh, Michael would be there like a half an hour early and uh, orders a pitcher of beer or something so there'd be already something on the table. All right. So describe, uh, and just for a real quick, you know, describe Michael again, how he looks, like like his appearance real quick. 
Yeah, he's Max six foot one, weighs hundred sixty pounds, has brown hair, gray eyes, and you know he's a pretty athletic guy. Um, and he's clean cut, right? Like a yeah, clean cut. You could tell, like from looking at him, that he's probably a cop or something like that. I mean, just yeah. from like someone say, "Oh, there's a cop." You know what I mean? Does he have that look? Or yeah, definitely, definitely that look. Okay. All right, got you. So as you walk, uh, you walk in, uh, Wayne. You see, you know, you're kind of like scanning the room. Because you really don't know what this guy looks like, you know. Uh, and you, as you scan, you're like, nope, 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 not him, not him, not him. And you see this figure who kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Not, you know what I mean? That's like he's a little too clean cut. And, and you're just at that moment, you kind of realize that this is the kid that, that you knew at one point. You, Michael, you look, you know, like, wow, it's, it's hard for you to recognize the same kid. I mean, he kind of has longer hair, but this guy has like a thick mustache, you know what I mean? And he, you know. The age and everything, it takes you a second to recognize him. But go ahead, the scene's on you guys. Uh, so once I see uh, Mike, I'm going to kind of just, like, pace over to his table. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Mike, what's up? Probably shake his hand. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll we'll shake. So um, I'll kind of just, like, uh, pull a glass towards myself, uh, maybe, like, grab the ashtray from the middle of the table, pull it close to myself, and uh, I'm just going to, like, lean in and just uh, – just get ready for him to just tell me what's going on. Okay. So. And you can see he's really excited, Michael. You can see this guy's like, like, it has like a, I don't know, exudes like an air of like fucking hyperness, like motivation. He looks very motivated. I would, would I be incorrect in that assertion there, uh, Adam? Like that, that, that he, that, that Wayne is like, looks motivated, like he's full of like purpose right now. Or how would you describe like, yeah, I'd say, I would say that sounds about right. Like he's a, He's a guy who lives a pretty monotonous life, and um, he's he's excited to be to be out of the house to uh, be reconnecting with like an old friend. I mean, even though it is over like a topic that's uh, maybe kind of, yeah like a sore sore subject, but for some reason yeah. that just is kind of like pushed away by the fact that he's you know he's doing something. So would intensity be a right adjective then uh, to use? Like he looks intense, or does he just kind of look like? Maybe just like anxious. Like anxious. Okay, that, that's a good description. I like that. All right, scenes on you guys. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You seem eager. I, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, when, when me and Alex heard, heard the pitch, we were really skeptical, but we could, we could have used used the money, so we said yes. And after we found out, we found out some interesting stuff, and we really got into it. So, what are you guys trying to get to the bottom of? Basically, uh, this reporter guy, Terry Murphy, is writing a book about about these satanic murders he thinks are happening, uh, uh, that it's connected all to the Son of Sam murders, some kind of satan- a satanic cult. And he's paying us to, you know, uh, look into it. We actually saw, uh, you know, one of the people who confronted, which confronted Amanda, uh, Jay Bishop, and he told us about the other dudes who were involved in that. And they to- uh, he told us about these strange parties they were having, and it was all kind of crazy, you know, all satanic symbolism and lots of drugs, stuff like that. I think, uh, so like when Wayne hears you uh, mention like the word satanism, he just kind of is taken back a little bit uh he definitely holds like a superstition about uh that kind of stuff and uh i don't know if he he's just he's just like you know he's he's uh 
that kind of takes him back a little bit. He's like, whoa. Look, I'm not saying you have to believe this or not believe this. I'm just saying where we've gathered so far. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.